Hi, Claire. Welcome. Hi, thank you very much for having me. I am honored to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited for our conversation today. Um, so we met through Instagram and you have a really cool business. If you want to tell us a little bit what it's called, what, what you're doing. Yeah, so um, it's under my name, Claire Phillips, and I help women who are in business to incorporate and access the energetic side of life into their business. So, you know, we are all energy. The, the fabric of our reality is energy. And so many people aren't using this, this part of life to their advantage. They're not tapping into the abundance that's behind using energy for their business. So for example, you know, your business is an extension of you and also has an energetic template that you can tap into like a consciousness that you can connect to and receive downloads and information for you know next move forward or your next investment or should you hire someone or what's my next masterclass going to be it's just an abundance of information up there that can help you find a, a a quick pathway to a path of least resistance actually to where you need to be that's awesome yeah so we are often operating mostly from our minds and we're kind of missing it's it's funny how we kind of ignore the fact that we have a thought pop in and we just think that it manifested in our mind and okay mm -hmm. now i'm going to go into google and start searching for this information about this thing and um, sometimes we don't realize that it may just be a gift from the universe that's like hey instead of um us saying oh I have an overactive imagination or I, um, we, we don't feel the support that we have from, from the universe. Do you? Very true. And I think, you know, what is a thought anyway? Like if you cut the brain open, thoughts don't fall out. Um, it's an, it's a electromagnetic pulse between the neurons, which again is energy. So, everything is energy <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. um if you're into quantum physics there's so much out there now regarding quantum physics and it's even been proven that you know solid mass like our tables or our speakers or our glass bottles etc they're all vibrating but they're just vibrating at a very minute rate so everything we're interactive with interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis is energetic um the fact that you know when you actually become present in your body and sort of not allow the mind to overrun you can start actually tuning into the subtle energetic frequencies around you like have you ever wondered you know maybe you've met someone and you either get on with them really instantly like yes they're like my best friend i know i've met you before or maybe you meet someone you're just like mm, i don't like that person you don't know anything about them you know you just met them but it's this like energetic frequency that you're tuning into constantly and you're reading without even knowing and then when you learn to actually tap into this and read it correctly and have an understanding of it, it becomes really, really powerful. Your intuition is so powerful and feeling safe in your body and trusting yourself is key to being able to follow your intuition. And your intuition is always going to lead you on the path of least resistance, following those gentle little nudges. You know, have you ever had those thoughts where you're like, oh, 
I'm going to go do this today. Or maybe you're driving to work and you go, oh, I'm going to go a different way. And then you find out when you get to work that maybe you missed a car accident or a big pileup. That's your intuition, your little subtle nudges telling you that's not the right way. Let's go this way. But so many people are so are disconnected from themselves and are so stuck up here that they miss those subtle nudges. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people would say that intuition, following intuition, hearing what the body and the emotions are telling us is not necessary. It's nonsense. Um, that's woo-woo. And mm -hmm. really what we're dealing with all the time, like you said, um, is the vibrating um, that is in each object. Like every object is is particles, electrons, protons, neutrons, and spinning around each other and then connected to other particles. There's a lot of space in between all of these particles and everything mm -hmm. is vibrating and moving. And so there's nothing woo-woo about it. It's chemistry. It's <laughs> and science. It's so funny. We're so reliant on science to explain things. Um, but that's just something we made up. It's just a process for us to understand what's happening in the world. And so for us to rely on it as though it were this entity that explains everything. No, it's something we made up. Mm. So. And uh, these practices as well with energies and energetic and consciousness and however you wanna you know, describe it, have been around for thousands of years. I don't know if anybody's ever read the Kabbalion, but I highly recommend reading the Kabbalion. It comes from, you know, ancient, prior to ancient Egyptian times, or no, just before ancient Egyptian times. So, um, and this wisdom is still being used today. And now our mainstream science is actually backing this wisdom. So it's really interesting that it, this has been passed down and maybe miscommunicated along the way and lost within, you know, the Roman Empire and the wars and et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's starting to come back again as we remember where we've come from and what we're here to do. So it's a really beautiful time to be alive as this big great awakening and all remembrance is occurring around the world, which is fabulous. Yeah, it really is. Um, when we're connected with our source and and real knowledge, we can be a lot, well, we can be a lot more free. We can be a lot more effective mm. at what we're trying to do. We're connected with our arrows and our desire and, um, as you mentioned, the Roman Empire, there was a time when we things were stripped away. Slavery became this very big uh, technique for controlling. It's to me, it comes from uh, basically a fear of abandonment, a feeling of not being loved, and so now I need to control all these other people to make sure I'm never left alone. And so um, with that, all of this ancient wisdom was stripped or shamed and people were convinced to hate themselves and to mistrust themselves and their intuition. So it's really, like you said, a beautiful time to be alive where we're bringing it back and we're remembering. Absolutely. I think, you know, we're really coming into balance again. It was a, you know, we've, we've been driven by a very heavy masculine energy for a very long time now and i'm not saying the masculine energy is bad we need both it's it should be in a beautiful equal dance and balance between the feminine and masculine but um for a long long time we've been in a very heavy 
toxic masculine energy of like you said the control the and also toxic femininity you know the manipulation that's a very toxic or a shadow trait of the feminine and you know control shadow trait of the masculine so we've been in those shadows and now we are coming out the other side of that and learning and embracing the shadows as well as the light because you know we all know you can't reject the shadow as soon as you reject the shadow it's gonna it just keeps playing out so you know the light and dark are the two sides of the same coin you need to reconcile both and accept both to have this this balance otherwise you're gonna have a swing of the pendulum between the two which is kind of what we've we've done we were swung up here in this um masculine shadow and now we're swinging over here into this feminine shadow i think you know this might i might get shot for this but i feel <laughs> that some of the feminine movement has been it's gone too far the other way and we've really shunned the masculine and we need the masculine you know we need the protection the leadership the the presence of the masculine you know that beautiful divine masculine energy is 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 stunning but the i feel that you know we've gone a bit too far with the feminine saying that you know we don't need the masculine we're independent women etc and i'm all for independence but i also recognize that you know the the feminine is beautifully surrendering to the masculine and there's this very beautiful flow when you get it right um so yeah that might trigger some people there because i know there <laughs> um i've had so many conversations about it but yeah we, we we need each other there's a reason that you know there is the masculine and there's the feminine there is a beautiful requirement of both not, not one is better you know it, there there is beautiful qualities to both sides and shunning one side is not going to help matters it's just going to tip us to the other side of the pendulum which is sort of where we're at, at the moment yeah and i personally can relate to that because uh growing up i became kind of an ultra feminist and um, and that was really just you know, as I've recently uncovered in doing my shadow work, um, just a way of protecting myself from the rejection and abandonment that I felt by my father and, mm -hmm. um, and also the way he raised me was to believe that I couldn't rely on anybody and that the only thing that a man would ever want me for is sex, like specifically mm -hmm. said those things. And so, I came into this hyper-masculine energy and identity feeling like I have to do everything myself. And then it just really led to burnout and it yeah. didn't lead me, it sapped my creativity from me. And um, so now trying to get back into a balance where I'm learning to trust masculine energy and um, not automatically see men as dangerous is has been a challenge and it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm super blessed to have men in my life that are displaying the healthy divine masculine yeah. and understanding too that people will make mistakes and there will be slip ups and we don't have to swing back over to, <laughs> oh no, now I have to be hyper. Yeah vigilant and hyper masculine it, it, it's a it's a journey isn't it at the end of the day and i can i can really relate to that i've also been hyper masculine i was sexually assaulted and <clears throat> straight into you know my masculine and the need to protect and not i didn't feel safe and 
they're overly controlling. I didn't trust men. So I completely, completely resonate with that. And it is a journey coming back to yourself, isn't it? To learn to feel safe in your own body. Because once you start feeling safe within yourself, then that's obviously reflected out. Understanding that it's not all men are what you fear. And there are beautiful divine masculine men out there. And also men are having a tough time too. The masculine's having a tough time too. And I think, um, you know, there's so much, there's so much wounding and pain over the years for both, both sides, the masculine and the feminine. It's this beautiful, remembering that, you know, we've both gone through a lot of toxicity and wars and fight and everything along those lines. And we're both trying to come back into an equilibrium and that we're not against each other. And this, you know, this will take time, obviously. And also recognizing the perfection of the, all the beauty of your lessons within your life. Like, you know, it took me a long time to actually be grateful and loving towards my abusers um, because I wouldn't be the woman I am today without them. And I could intellectualize that for a very long time. It wasn't until I got it in my heart that I could fully go, oh, yeah, okay, I recognize that now. I recognize the absolute divine perfection and beauty in it all and I'm very very grateful and at, at a soul level as well you know your soul's craving for this like it sounds really um I explained this to someone once they're like that's just disgusting and I'm like okay cool we're like you can we can have different opinions but at a soul level my belief is that you know your soul's come down here to have all these experiences and we label them good and bad we label everything good bad right wrong etc but at a soul level, it's an experience because up there is beautiful, just unconditional love. That's There's no variation. There's no contrast. There's no polarity. That's why when we come down here, it's really freaking hard because it's like the extremes of it all. It's, you know, we're here in flipping earth school. And, yeah, it can feel really yucky. And we're wondering, well, why did I sign up to do this to myself? And my personal belief is experience experience of it all we've cut at soul level we've come down to experience polarity and the differences and learn lessons on how to maybe come back to love because that's what we are at our true core and it doesn't matter what happens to us in our lifetime we'll always be loved even if we yeah. recognize it or not yeah having having a body feeling sensation and um, so much of our sensations can be there are so many stories around our sensations. Like if I feel pain, oh my God, I'm about to die. Like my body <laughs> can't tolerate that. But really it's just, if you if you lean into it and you're like, oh, I am actually having a sensation and I can actually see that there is pleasure within pain. Mm. And I can see that there's, uh, you know, always beautiful lessons. I'm learning my boundaries. I'm learning my limits. I'm uh, just having a very unique experience. And when I'm here in this body, this is my chance to have this experience this way. Mm -hmm. And it's very exciting. It um, doesn't have to be terrifying. Uh, and the men are actually, you know, from what I've seen, what I keep hearing from women in the dating world is that oh my gosh they just don't take any initiative they're they're so lazy they can't do anything and um and we've as a collective 
gender women have told them for many years that them doing anything like that is toxic and dangerous and we hate it and um, so yeah there's there's certainly been toxicity in the way that it was handled before with the control um, so for us to just recognize the beauty and the power within each other and mm. accept that we are meant to be different and love that about each other mm. is really i think part of that whole journey i agree and you and just going back to a point about the emotions and the stories i think one of the most powerful tools that anyone can can learn is to be able to sit in their body and feel the sensations without an attachment to them without an attachment of why they're feeling this or where this is coming from and is it related to this trauma or this conversation or whatever it's just a the, one of the biggest things is to stop labeling and just allow your body to feel your body is so amazing when you just allow yourself to feel it shifts through you and it's gone you don't have to have the story and the attachment we keep ourselves stuck in a loop a perpetual loop a cycle of what is this and how does this feel and oh my god like just feel it just allow the sensations to go through and yes some days you might feel a bit more yucky than others great that's okay but yeah it's so powerful just to feel them rather than to get stuck in a story and i think that was one of the biggest realizations i had on my journey i'm not too sure for you as well but like not having the attachment and just allowing the sensations to move through me and i process my emotions way quicker now because i don't have an attachment to it and i move i don't know have you ever tried the dance like a bit of you know putting some music on set any intention to move your body and just allowing it to move however it wants it's really powerful and it, again it just releases any stagnant stagnant energies and you often might cry or laugh and there's no attachment to what's happening but it's just a beautiful way to shift what's going on in your body absolutely and it's also so powerful to kind of create new change within our tissues because our emotions when we've stuffed them down forever and we've you know maybe there were stories and we were told that those stories weren't true or they they're unpleasant so we don't want to feel the emotion and um, when we go back and we find the story and what happened then we can detach from it but mm. it's usually when we're suppressing it um, that we are unable to detach. And it's so interesting though, you can get still caught in that loop of going back to the story and going back to the story. And it's like, well, no, if I've processed and released it, if I've seen what the story was and mm -hmm. I'm allowing my emotions to happen and I did a ritual, something around it and mm -hmm. allowed it to move through, like you said, you can now process the feelings so much more quickly when you're not yeah. repeating the story. So it's just a movement. So go back to the story, uncover it, see it from an adult perspective, feel all the feelings, get to forgiveness if you're ready for that. If you're not ready for it, that's okay. Mm. But then then allowing stuff to just pass through and, and not reiterating that old story over and over and over because it's a waste of time. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, you, it's really interesting when you're talking about the emotions being stuck. So working with women and, you know, women in business, a lot of women store, well, all women will store their 
emotions in their in their womb in their hips so the, the womb especially becomes emotional junk drawer and this is why this is my personal belief and i've there's a lot of stuff out there as well um backing this that a lot of women have, are struggling with fibro um, with endometriosis and pcos etc now because our wombs have become these emotional junk drawers that we're not processing um and let's not forget as well that um epigenetics so if you if people are listening are not too sure that's um your genetics within your within your body that can be changed is a really great guy to listen to bruce lipton he's done a lot of studies now originally they only thought that generationally that trauma can only be passed like around two or three generations but they've just done a recent study it's now 14 generations it can be passed down so that's 14 generations that we're holding on to and as women as well you know you're coming from your mother's womb and you've got your own womb um these emotional junk drawers aren't just your trauma this is your generational trauma as well which you know just so i can just think about my family i might you have know, two world wars famine you know rations loss death you know sexual assault you name it was all going on in your that's before you've even started in your own life so were the um, the womb particularly for women is such a important space it's our it's our seat of creativity so if anyone's listening and they're struggling at the moment with their creativity or if they're having endometriosis or pcos i'd really Im implore them to go and work with someone around what they're storing in their womb what trauma is there from their lifetime and other lifetimes and you'll find once you start clearing and working in the womb it becomes this beautiful powerhouse where all your inspiration, like your creation that you manifest creates to. Because we birth not just children into this life, but we birth ideas, we birth um, businesses, we birth, you know, modalities, whatever it is you're creating, it comes from the womb. And men also have a, a womb space, not a physical, but they have an energetic womb space as well. But for women, that is really their cre um, seat of creativity. So if you're struggling at the moment with creative flow if you're feeling stagnant and stuck in that area if you're feeling like you do have endometriosis or pcos then it'd be a great um time to actually go and seek professional help and look at the emotional blocks that you're holding and storing there because there is some great relief that you can get get from it like personally i used to have endometriosis i don't have it anymore um i've worked with clients who've had endometriosis and pcos and they don't have it anymore it's not an overnight cure because obviously there is this, this, the body needs to heal, cells need to shed and, and, and re regenerate, but it, it is a process that works rather than, you know, drugs, surgery, et cetera. So um, it's something that's kind of skimmed over in the medical industry. And I get it, you know, there's maybe not science backed, but I think there's so much going on out there now with, good energy healers and good practitioners um, and good coaches that people are starting to get the results and recognizing that they can heal themselves. It's just not instant. You know, it's not, it's not a pill. It's not surgery is, you know, three, six months, maybe a year, depending on how severe your endometriosis is or your PCOS, but it is curable. Um, another amazing story as well. I love this story. I share it quite a bit, but I, I had a client who had, um, she had a brain tumor brain, and cancer and she had the main tumor removed because it was rather large but they still had the nodules in you know like the little legs the tumor legs and they said to her hey look you you should have some chemotherapy and she's like absolutely not i don't want to have chemotherapy and they said well look if you don't tumor's going to come back and you'll die 
She was like, okay, I'll take my chances. So she went on a alkaline diet and she had regular like Reiki energy healings um, with myself and someone else as well. And she did other, other energy things. And she went back to the doctor six months later and had another scan and it all completely gone and they put her into remission. Now, they said they must have misdiagnosed her. Right when she said that she went on an alkaline diet, did energy healing, they said that they must have misdiagnosed her and didn't recognize the fact that she'd gone on to alternative methods. But this, you know, I'm not telling saying that if anybody's listening and they've got cancer, I'm not saying please don't get chemo. This is going to be a very uh, personal journey. But there are other options out there that, you know, can be investigated if they feel right and in alignment for you. The body's very, very, very powerful. And we just don't realize how powerful we are to heal ourselves. Yeah, and we, because we are so often stuck in our mental space and we're discounting the body and the emotions, we are compartmentalizing them and thinking that they're somehow separate. But if we're in an emotional state that feels unsafe all the time, that's going to manifest as inflammation in our tissues because the energy isn't moving mm -hmm. and we're suppressing and denying and most our most of our illnesses start with i would say unprocessed emotions hundred mm. percent so another one with bruce lipton please watch him he's amazing um again recently he's just come out and said only two percent of all diseases are genetically passed down that means that nine this is scientifically backed testing evidence this is not just mumbo jumbo i'm blurting out bruce lipton please go and have a look at him that means 98 percent of the diseases that we have we're manifesting and creating ourselves that's insane yeah yeah that's insane. and once you start working with your own energy and and your own processing your emotions learning how to self-regulate you start seeing the evidence of it for example mm. i was um, like 50 pounds overweight just mm. in in a, a marriage that wasn't aligned we just weren't really compatible and both just trying to be in denial of that for a very long time and as soon as i filed for divorce all of the weight came off wow and yeah it came off fast too it was i think i lost 40 pounds in two months wow. The rest kind of slowly came off as well and yeah it, i didn't change my diet or exercise habits i simply mm -hmm. removed a layer of stress from my life and so the inflammation decreased and the the need to put on weight to as some kind of self-protection mechanism mm -hmm. to make myself bigger was no longer there amazing and then amazing. yeah another example that i have is if you've read it didn't start with you by mark woolen um he talks about generational trauma basically and he's a, a practitioner that works with clients um, i think he's a he's a licensed therapist of some sort um, but like the, the kind that goes to school, not an energy worker. So mm. he's obviously incorporating energy work in his practice um, as he found he needed to over time. But mm. um, I had this 
heavy sense of just dread and fear all the time, couldn't handle like loud noises, and um, was always feeling like I was being threatened, like I was, someone was after me to kill me. And mm -hmm. I was going through my, you know, childhood stuff and I'm like, that, I, don't, I don't think that equates to that. I don't really know this. No, nothing really adds up to that mm. and finally after understanding generational trauma something clicked where i was like oh my mother a couple of years before she before i was in her womb she had left her prior marriage mm. and her husband was physically abusive beatings severe beatings and then at one point when she said she was leaving held a gun to her head cocked and loaded yeah. and um and then even when she left this uh came and and tried to kill her a couple times after she had left and i always had this this big fear about someone coming in breaking in and and so it was all just passed from her womb to me because she hadn't processed those emotions and she was living in that state of stress she really didn't stop being afraid of him till he died just a few years ago mm. so it's really interesting how these things you know can pass to our children when i Absolutely. look at my children and see some traits that they have i'm like oh oh i know where that <laughs> yeah it's so powerful it's um yeah especially that we're in the womb how much you know if you're if you're being grown in a room where there's lots of stress and worry and like you say unsafety that is being passed down and there's another one that people um and there's more and more coming out about it but um if a baby's born with the umbilical cord around their neck um has a stressful birth and then um is then put into an incubator and doesn't have the time with the mother that can actually lead to uh, the person one becoming very depressed in later life two not having a connection with their mum or even the feminine in general and and also having this um, protective barrier around themselves they don't like touch because there, as they were coming into the world, they were they were having so much pain, um, you know, also being strangled, and then obviously being put into an incubator away from the mum. They didn't have the the touch and the connection to their mum. So there's a lot around that. I've done a few hypnotherapy sessions with different clients on that, and it's really interesting. The same thing that comes through with the with the pain, the disconnect. They associate the pain, the touch with pain because of you know the first experience was so painful of coming into the world. So it's it's huge and when these people didn't realize that you know they didn't realize that their birth had caused them so much so much issues throughout their lives it's not till you go back and reconcile that you're like oh that makes so much sense i feel so much better you know they just think that maybe there's someone that don't like to be touched or they're just disconnected from themselves or disconnected they, do, they don't really want to be hugged by their mum or touched by their mum and there's there's a reason for that there's always some form of something going on but there's not a lot of information out there about this stuff and this is why it's such a beautiful time to be alive because we're really recognizing the power that you know hypnotherapy and somatic work and energy work can have it is a great um arm that can be used instead of or with medication to come off medication or something along those lines that there are other avenues to go down it's not just necessarily going on to antidepressants or thinking there's something wrong with you or you know whatever it is you know the amount of uh, valium that's prescribed to people with anxiety now 
you know, anxiety is not, you don't come out in the womb anxious. That's something that's a learned behavior for whatever reason. So, you know, it's about creating more awareness to people to know that they have other options than just to go on to medication. Not that I'm knocking medication. I know medication has helped many, many people, but I believe that if people, someone's on medication for, you know, 20, 30 years, what's that doing? That's just masking. We're not, we're not getting to the root cause. We're not understanding what the issue is. We're just taking a tablet, taking a tablet, taking a tablet. And at the end of the day, you know, these big corporations that are making the pharmaceuticals want you on tablets because they make money out of you. So it's in their interest <laughs> for you Absolutely. to the tablet, taking the tablets, taking the tablets. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, vicious circle we're in. <laughs> yeah. And the, the field of psychotherapy has not, it was not very long ago where they were pushing that if you have some kind of behavior problem, it's a problem and um, that's undesirable. And that means there's something wrong with you. Like you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and really most of the time it's, no, I've had some experience that I wasn't able to reconcile and move my body through mm. or I had a you know a woman who's raped and held down and can't fight might be locked up every time she has a sexual encounter and she can't treat that with a pill that doesn't it's not something that's gonna be effective and every time you get onto a pill you have to increase the dose over time. You have all these other extra side effects and the problem never really resolves, like you said. Absolutely. It's just, just yeah, it's, it's a Band-Aid, isn't it? It's a Band-Aid process. And the, and, and the interesting thing as well, like, so when you actually look into trauma, it's such a, a fascinating subject. So um, animals, when they go into trauma, the animals don't really have trauma because they have a great system where say if the lion goes for a gazelle and the gazelle gets away, the gazelle will have an automatic shake through the nervous system that resets the nervous system and the gazelle goes about its way not having a trauma around the line, right? Because you can't have traumatic, trauma, traumatized animals wandering around. It just wouldn't work. So humans and domesticated dogs are the only two beings in the world currently that actually have trauma. So trauma can... So the only reason we actually have trauma is you dis, a person disconnects from their body doesn't feel they disconnect go into the head decompartmentalize whatever it is and they don't feel so that automatically instantly causes trauma now there's a really interesting story and this comes with a tr trigger warning because it's around a, a lady who was um as i think she was in india i can't remember her name um but she was gang raped by 12 men and she actually stayed in her body the whole time and felt the whole process miracle um she then went on to um create a sanctuary and a um what's the word she became kind of like a guru for followers to come and follow her she has i would say like she was a bit like yeah a guru well, i say a guru and a guru in india that people followed and and went on pilgrimages with etc including the 12 men who actually attacked her she they now work for her and bring people to her to help so she can help heal them and talk to them and facilitate them and she and she's very much never had any experience any trauma from that because she stayed in her body and felt every single sensation and that's how we don't have trauma and then afterwards there's a reset of the nervous system 
with like a shake, so a somatic shake, and then you you don't you don't have the trauma. But the fact is, so many we've not really been we've lost that capacity to do that. Back in the day, we probably would have shaked, shook, and you know got away and got back to things. But we don't have that capacity these days for whatever reason. So generally, when a trauma happens, we disassociate, we disconnect from our body, we you know do do anything to not not feel. But feeling is what keeps us in our body, which actually stops trauma, which is I find very interesting. Super interesting. Yeah, mm. when you think about the way we're raised, we're told this or that should not happen to you or this should mm. happen. And then uh, actually in reading, I don't know what I read, but I read some of the case notes um, from a law enforcement officer who had interviewed many ch children, I mean, who had rescued many children from being sexually assaulted by caregivers or in their in the foster system or wherever they were. And mm -hmm. he said the most damaging thing to the children was the adults intense reaction to them finding out that the child had been molested because then the child became very much ashamed of the fact that they had felt a little pleasure in their body. They may have mm -hmm. felt pain, but they simultaneously had pleasure. And then now they don't trust their bodies. They don't trust pleasure. They're ashamed. Mm -hmm. And now when we're ashamed, we're hiding, we're keeping things inside. Mm -hmm. And that's creating all kinds of sabotaging behaviors, dishonesty, um, inability to be present in our bodies inability to tolerate sensation. Mm. And it's interesting, the whole, the, the shame aspect as well is, you know, the reason that when you look at it on an energetic level, obviously the, the polarity of light and dark and sex has been shamed for so long now due to religion and other, other things, but religion was the big shamer of sex and pleasure and now you see when something gets shamed, it plays out in the shadows. And this is why there's so much pedophilia within the churches and around and around now because sex has been shamed. We've been shamed from our own bodies. We've been shamed around pleasure for many, many years. So this is this in the shadows. What plays out is, you know, rape, um, pedophilia, molestation it all plays out in the shadows because it's not in the light because we're not accepting it. We're not accepting pleasure and sex as part of us. So I find that really, really interesting um, around the, how much shame that we have and how much has been instilled in us in over the generations of years and years from, you know, if you can date it back to sort of, don't mean to sort of um, attack religion because I do believe religion has had some beautiful positive impacts on the world, but they're also, we can't deny it also has had a lot of negativities and twisting and manipulation as well. So, you know, two sides, same coin. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting how, you know, you shame something, you shame whatever it is, you shame money, you shame sex, it gets, it plays out in the shadows, you know, it's, it's still going to play out. The more you can't hide from anything in the world, it's, it's playing out somewhere. You either own it or it plays out in the shadows. It's, it's mm. that, that simple. Yeah, absolutely. And since you mentioned money, it's just, it's so interesting because religion, again, people take the, the scripture out of context and they just take the part that says money is the root of all evil. Mm. That's not what the scripture says, but I don't even remember what it said, but it was something more 
positive about money. It was it was a, just saying like an imbalance of worshiping this thing mm. is not going to bring you happiness or whatever. Um, so it's it's very interesting the way that religion has used shame as a way of controlling people, keeping them coming back to the church, keeping those donations flowing in. So often um, we believe that religion is a nonprofit. That does not mean it doesn't profit. It just means it isn't taxed on its profits. And so religions are very much a business and they very much have the incentive of collecting uh, subscribers and members and their donations. And so they will shift as we've seen with some of the more um, less conservative Christian churches, they're now shifting to kind of match the market and what the people want. People are getting tired of being shamed and guilted into everything. So now I'm, you know, if I visit a, a less conservative Christian church, I'm hearing the the sermon is much more casual. It's much more positive. It's much more finding the the beauty in our spirit and our body instead of you're a sinner that's uh, going to burn in hell forever. So if <laughs> could all just yeah. keep in mind that uh, money makes the world turn. It doesn't. It's simply an energetic exchange between two people. It's not in itself possible for it to be evil because it's really just a tool that we use and it's one that we made up mm -hmm. and um by not having it we are not then freeing it up to go to more people it's not generous to not have money it's actually it continues the limiting that people are experiencing yeah absolutely and it's in yeah the the church as a business model is absolutely genius Absolutely genius, and that's why there's so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Church, and also like any kind of yeah, religious. Religious. I would say I'm not saying a church is a cult, but there are cults out there that make a hell of a lot of money through the same business model as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a genius business model. People don't realize <laughs> business model. And it's like yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's I mean, I have an accounting business, so once I started, uh, you know, doing taxes, I was like, oh, oh, I see. You know, you see this whole other side to it than just being an attendee. Like, mm -hmm. no, this is a full-on business organization with a hierarchical structure, and they have goals. Um, they need to meet their donation goals on a monthly mm -hmm. basis, and all of their activities are planned around bringing in that revenue and some of and and as with most businesses people believe that the mission that they're on is creating beauty and positive impact in the world and in many cases it is um, but i think in the early churches uh there was a lot of confusion about what was needed to create beauty and impact in the world there was so much fear-based, um, oh. so little oh, understanding of disease and and cleanliness and all the things that, so they just called, oh, well, that's magic and witchcraft. And so we're going to shame that and get rid of it. And those people probably thought they were doing the right thing, but 
Oh, here absolutely. we are. And then, you know, look, I mean, back in the day with churches as well, you know, churches had all this gold, gold crosses and jewels and goblets and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the poor people that were going there barely had, a, you know, a threepence to rub between them. They could barely bake bread and they're giving their last bit of coins just so that they, you know, would go to heaven or whatever their belief was. Um, so it was a very corrupt system back in the back in the day. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe they did feel that they were doing right. Who, who knows? It's like we're looking from the outside in. They might have had a vision. And like you say, they they've might have read the Bible and, and misinterpreted it to the to how they created the churches. Who knows? There could be intent behind it. There may not have been. We're never going to know. We can only we can only just presume. But um, yeah, it was definitely one sided for sure. <laughs> but uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> but I think you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, if we look back on many of the great kind of eras, look at Romans, look at the Greeks, um, the Egyptians, there seemed to be that hierarchy still you know the rich were rich and the poor were poor from what we know from what we know and understand it's not till really that you sort of go back into like mesopotamia times and the incas and things like that where it seems to be a lot more um level and balanced and like babylonia i believe was very much more a, a harmonious way of life from what i understand from the readings that i that i've seen i could be you know Someone might think that's not not the case, and that's fine. Um, but I believe I, I don't know what happened. Um, if someone would like to tell me, that'd be great. But something had flipped at some point, and there became this hierarchy that came into place. And and then that you know, especially when the Romans came in, it all went to pot, didn't it? So they really just decided, you know. And obviously, I'm British, so we had definitely had a hand in going around the world conquering and and just causing absolute devastation. So um yeah <laughs> people got greedy you know people got greedy you know vikings invaded and the romans invaded and the greeks invaded and you know the i think the french and the spanish also were pretty pretty big on invading so yeah i don't know if it, men just decided got bored and got greedy i'm not too sure what happened yeah like, where, where, did that start? where was it like yes let's just go and absolutely rape pillage all these other countries and see what's going on out there yeah it's it's fascinating to think about. I have my theories, um, but I can't prove them. <laughs> so, um, but always the, you know, when we can connect mentally with things that, that make sense, right? We can make sense out of situations that have happened and shame and trauma, and we can find that story. And then we want to move to let it go. It's not enough to just cognitively think about these things. Um, you mentioned somatic practices, energy practices. What are some of those? What are they? What does it look like to work with a client who is dealing with something like that? What what methods do you try and mm. find? So yeah, I always work with my clients on a mind, body, soul level because, as we know, they live in all three areas. So. Cognitively usually works with hypnotherapy. I think it's such a beautiful modality. It's a very deep modality, but as you know, it's 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 working with that subconscious mind. So, you know, something like the the inner child, the wounded inner child, or even just the inner child lives in the subconscious mind. So 
if you've got trauma or emotional wounds that you're holding on to from your childhood, um, you're operating from your subconscious mind 98% or 95% of the time, sorry. Um, so 95% of the time, you're operating from a wounded space. So being able to go in and access the subconscious mind and help reprogram that is really, really powerful. And that's, that's a layer. Then somatically as well, we can work with somatic release exercises. So there's certain stretches, there's certain um, eye movements and um, certain positions that you can do to release uh, traumas from the body. Like so for women, there's a really um, hold a lot of trauma in their hips. Um, so there's some great um, processes you can do to re help release the, the, the somatically for them. Um, there's also dance movements, et cetera, as well for somatic, which is really, again, it's just about coming, dropping into your body and allowing your body to feel those sensations. And then there's energetic work. So I work energetically clearing blocked emotions, past lives, ancestral trauma, uh, crossing people over. A lot of times people are stuck in the astral and that can play wreak havoc on you. Um, or the energetic work is very interesting. Yeah, so say past lives and this lifetime, energetically what you're holding on to and storing as well as, you know, other past lives as well. Because as a soul, you know, we're a multidimensional being. We There is no such thing as time. It's just this one continual thing. So your, your soul is having multiple lives in this one experience, if that makes sense. So as your experience this current lifetime, your soul is also experiencing another lifetime that you may be experiencing trauma or have an attachment to the trauma or the wound. Um, yeah. And then there's also, as I said, like your ancestral trauma as well, which is always very interesting too. Yeah. That, that part is really fascinating to me. I like to work in that realm. And really a lot of this is very simple and people can do it themselves. But if you could speak to the power of working with another person or in a group dynamic, why that kind of heightens the results from personal experience so from my past and my trauma i had a lot of trust issues and i started out doing a lot of the work on myself and it's true you can do the work on yourself but you can only get so far yourself because you're very much seeing the experiences from your perception once you start working with a mentor they and a and a good mentor as would definitely like someone who resonates with you, someone who's, you know, doing the work, embodying the work, etc. They have a way of questioning you and getting you to think outside of your box so that you're seeing a different perception, a different worldview of what's happened. So that allows you to, to process things differently um, and allows you to become unstuck as well. Also, you know, energetic work, yes, you can do energetic works on yourself, but it can be hard doing the energetic works on yourself because you're attached to it. So you get lost in your head and what's this, what's that? Whereas someone else is doing it, they're not they're not attached or invested in your story. Same with the somatic stuff, you know, talking you through the somatics. It can be very overwhelming when you first start doing somatics because you're you're feeling all these feelings. You're like, what is this? And as we said at the start, if you're doing somatic work and then getting stuck in a story, you're not going to get the full release from the somatics because you've created a story so you've disassociated and you've you've disconnected so it can leave you stuck hypnotherapy as well there's lots of stuff obviously you can do online and you know download etc but there's nothing like an actual hypnotherapist doing a free hip like a um what's the word 
when I say free, like a free rolling, like a um, it's not a template. It's going in and seeing what comes up for you because your particular journey is obviously very personal. So a guided hypnotherapy is very different to a, a free run hypnotherapy where, you know, you sink someone in and it's like, OK, where are you? And that's the subconscious mind talking to you. And you're talking out that particular that particular experience and go right down a rabbit hole of stuff that you didn't even know existed. Whereas a guide is only going to take you so far. So, yes, you can do this work yourself. And it's amazing to have these tools. You're going to get there a hell of a lot quicker and a lot deeper with the help of a mentor. Absolutely. And then that reminded me of when you said the other person kind of has a different perception. Also, the the energy of the two of you present together, the other person can have downloads that you wouldn't have. And because mm -hmm. you're talking about the rolling hypnotherapy, like that energetic exchange, there's information passing between two people all the time that is not verbal. And um, I think that's also a powerful thing that we don't count because it's not something tangible that we can see all the time. Absolutely. And it's powerful as well as like someone might explain something to you in a way that you'd never thought of before. And it makes you, it helps you to click in at a deeper level. And you're like, ah, oh, I understand that so much better now because you're getting someone else's perception on it, someone else's medicine. Um, so yeah, working with other people is, is is the way forward and i'm not just saying that because i'm a coach but personally it helped my my journey um and it accelerated my journey as well so i could only get so far on my own and then i noticed once i started working with mentors that i you know it, it accelerated and elevated a lot quicker so i now have like a, i have a transformation mentor and then i have a business mentor as well um and they're worth their weight in gold like i you know the money then it's an investment in myself and the more you invest in yourself, the more you see back. That's, yeah, that's also been my experience. Um, mm. I was definitely like just reading books and watching YouTube videos and following gurus and teachers. And then I kind of was like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to need, I'm going to need an actual coach, somebody who's, because I, I just found the results were stagnating um, mm. and I wasn't able to, to move forward. And then, you know, that first initial investment in a coach, I mean, we could talk about the the money stories that come up for people around investing in a coach. Mine were, oh, I just don't have that. But when I spoke with the right coach, the story evaporated. It just kind of was like my body kind of took over and was like, we're doing this. We're signing yeah. up. And I was like, cool where's the money gonna come from and but i figured it out because i said because it opened up a i guess a portal or a way of of thinking like where is it gonna come from not it's not there i can't do it it's like yeah. how am i gonna do it i'm gonna do it shift in energy definitely and also a question that i often ask is how much is it costing you staying the same i'm not talking money uh, you know, money's irrelevant. Like money's just an energy that we get so attached to. But what is it costing you mentally, physically, emotionally each day? What's it costing your relationships? What's it costing your business? What's it costing Absolutely. your life? Like that's the big picture. People get really hooked up on money. Money's irrelevant. Yeah. And we're mm -hmm. so, so terrified of death that we often 
avoid much of life. And it's, it's like, well, we're here to have this experience and we're kind of, the clock is ticking. <laughs> this body is not going to be here forever. We're yeah. not going to be able to have the experience through this lens forever. So let's start actually feeling the joy and the pleasure of having sensations and having experiences and following our desires instead of staying in fear of death and contraction. Mm -hmm. So true, so true. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on our hour and I think this has been really valuable and I thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversations. I love talking to open-minded people like yourself and hearing your perspective on things and your journey. And yeah, it's always really nourishing and, and helps me grow as well, hearing the other side, like other people's opinions and stories too. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I do too. Um, I will put contact information in the episode description, but if you want to just tell people where to find you um, in case they're driving, you can't read or something. Yeah, no worries. So um, I am on Instagram, uh, Claire Phillips underscore, and then I'm also on Facebook, Claire Phillips. Uh, I do have a TikTok, not very big at the moment, so I will send you either to Instagram or Facebook. I have a beautiful community group uh, on Facebook as well, where I have lots of um, education content, free content, masterclasses, etc. So if you're a businesswoman who is looking to step into her unapologetic self start embodying that true essence you know not be afraid to speak your truth and create big impact and step into that leadership role that you've come here to do then i'd highly recommend you come and join and would love to see you there and connect with you awesome thank you so much again and we will talk soon thank you so much for having me have a wonderful day you too <laughs> bye